Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. My goal is to take you on a sonic journey across the Golden State, introducing you to some of the people, places, and experiences that make California such a special destination. Today, Olympic gold medalist Johnny Mosley talks about his outdoor adventure video series, Johnny Mosley's Wildest Dreams. In it, he teams up with other action sport athletes and pushes himself to the edge, sometimes literally. Man, when I got up there on top of this rock spire, I literally couldn't even take a step out on that thing. I mean, I'd never been so scared in my life. And Museum Hack CEO Tasia Dusky discusses her company's unique approach to museum tours and the types of audiences they attract. We're primarily looking for the people that wouldn't pick out a museum tour themselves and want a fresh look at a different perspective in the museum. Plus, we'll talk with Michelle Lawrence Adams, executive director of Mission San Juan Capistrano, who reveals some of her favorite things to do and places to go in Orange County. It's all coming up on California Now. You're listening to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. My next guest is a well-known figure in the world of skiing and a familiar face to pretty much anybody who owns a television. Johnny Mosley won a gold medal in men's freestyle skiing moguls at the 1998 Olympics and is considered a pioneer in the sport. He served as an analyst for the last three Winter Olympics, including the 2018 Games in Pyeongchang, and even hosted an episode of Saturday Night Live, rubbing elbows with the likes of Tina Fey, Will Ferrell, and Tracy Morgan. In addition to all that, Johnny is the host and designated punching bag of a video series called Johnny Mosley's Wildest Dreams, and we're thrilled to have him again on the California Now podcast. Welcome back, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you, Satirius. Great to be here. I just binge-watched a bunch of episodes of Wildest Dreams, and I have to say, you take a beating on that show. Yeah, I thought your uh, description was perfect. Uh, the punching bag is exactly what I am, and and, and I love it. Uh, but yes, you're right. I do take a bit of a beating. <laughs> that said, it also does look like a lot of fun. I mean, how do you s- describe the series to people who haven't seen it? it? It really kind of came out of my desire to do a lot of different adventures. Um, and uh, I have a lot of friends and I meet a lot of people that want to show me their action sports, their extreme adventures, um, just by way of, you know, who I am. I think it's, it's like if you're a guitar player and, and, and you meet a guitarist, they want to show you that riff. Well, that's the way it is everywhere I go. So essentially I team up with, um, friends, uh, friends of friends who are sort of experts in, in different, uh, categories, and uh, they take me out and uh, supposed to be like, show me a good time. But usually it ends up, uh, you know, testing my limits. Um. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, the, the first episode of yours that I watched was that slackline one. And that looked absolutely terrifying. Uh, yeah. It, and I'm, I'm kind of a little bit afraid of heights, believe it or not, even though I was a freestyle skier. So, um, uh I, but I really did think I would be able to kill that episode. I was like, <laughs> I am going to be able to get up on this high line. And because I could slack line, I've done low slack lines before. And, uh, but that was not the case, man. When I got up there on the top of this rock spire, I literally couldn't even take a step out on that thing. I mean, I'd never been so scared in my life. Oh, I, I believe you. And that professional slack liner made it look so easy. That's the hardest part of these shows is these guys make it look so easy. I mean, it's the hardest and the best part, but 
uh, they, they were walking. I mean, when we shut the cameras off, they were walking across that with, like, when we were in a round, when they were setting it up with no ropes. Oh, man. They're crazy. And when we were doing <laughs> it, uh, you know, like 60 feet up on this one-inch wide webbing, uh, and even when we were there, they'd just like tie a little rope around their ankle in case they fell. I mean, that's the type of confidence <laughs> they have. It was really uh, eye-opening to uh, imagine getting to that level in that, you know, in that discipline. It's crazy. Did any one experience stand out as the most fun? You know, originally I, I was thinking of doing a lot of fishing on this show, you know, and, and stuff like that. And it, but it quickly became like, you know, uh, uh, challenge Johnny Mosley or kill Johnny Mosley. <laughs> and uh, so uh, even though all the adventures end up being fun, the one that I guess I kind of like enjoyed and was, I guess, more relaxing and had the least amount of fear on was the cattle drive. Um, that was, uh, that was, that was very uh, fun to be on this like ranch very out of my wheelhouse and uh, just to be working around the horses and trying to do like hollywood style stunts on horses and rope calves and stuff like that was was uh was really fun and and i I really it looks like you really pulled it off i mean the your learning the learning curve was steep but you you rose to the challenge i was hanging with these cowboys for three days and they you know i think once they see that i've got a little initial interest and some some uh, some skill or at least potential, they, they really dig into it. So I get to accelerate quickly. Um, and I was able to learn to gallop and, and throw a rope a couple times. And, uh, you know, especially, especially those guys, I mean, the, you drink in the cowboy Gatorade and you have start having Coors lights around one, you start to loosen up a little bit and try new things. How about an activity that surprised you something where you felt like, all right, I got this, but then it turned out to be a really huge challenge. The, swimming challenge when I swam Alcatraz. Uh, I just am not a swimmer. And so I actually trained a little bit for that one. And uh, when I got out there, I was like feeling really good when we got in the water and we started swimming. And next thing you know, I didn't get across the, 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 the little, the, the channel or whatever in enough time for the tide, not to, you know, to beat the tide. Wow. And the tide, all of a sudden I was swimming and swimming and swimming and I was going nowhere. So I was just like swimming uphill basically on a treadmill and it, I was out there for an hour, no wetsuit, just starting to like really get, you know, not to be able to feel my fingers. And, hmm. you know, they were like, Hey, this is, we're, we're not trying to kill you. There's a show you can get out on this jet ski. But, you know, I was like, Oh, I gotta <laughs> do this. I've been training for this, you know? And I just dug in and went into that like Wim Hof zone and just sort of, it was a really intense mental challenge for me to to stay in the water, and it just became very personal. and uh, and uh, And I made it, and I'll never forget it. It was one of those things where it started out all fun like a show, and became like like a fight. So, um, <laughs> and I live for that stuff, you know, especially in hindsight. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you were in danger during any of the productions? Well, I mean, just first off, I'll say that we, we, you know, go to extremes to try to, you know, keep everything as safe as possible or, you know, and uh, the, the production company does a, a great job of, of making me feel safe. But, but this stuff is, can be inherently dangerous. Um, you know, this, this most recent episode uh, we did when we were uh, rock climbing with Kevin Jorgensen, who was a big wall climber, um, 
I, I mean, I had no rationale to feel unsafe because I had the best experts in the world, you know, helping me. But when you're hanging like over the edge of, you know, a huge rock face, you can put in a lot of trust in a lot of people you don't know and a lot of equipment that is, you know, obviously looks great and, and it gets (laughs) to you. I mean, that was the first episode I really was like, well, I guess slack line I bailed too, but, um, where I was like, I'm done. Like I, I'm, I, I'm, I've done enough. Get me, get me off of this rock face now. Like I'm pulling the plug. <laughs> yeah. It just, and that hurts me because I get into this and I'm very competitive and it's very hard for me to like pay attention to my, you know, t- it's a battle between my ego and my sense of, uh, you know, uh, mortality, I guess, you know, how, how uncomfortable I want to make myself. Well, I mean, especially if you're if you're or if you're not a huge fan of heights, I mean, scaling a mountain sounds like it's more of a nightmare than a, a wildest dream. <laughs> right. And that, that's what we always joke about is that definitely, you know, it's like Johnny Mosley's wildest nightmares is what they, they end up becoming. <laughs> um, and in some ways, I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, it, it keeps the challenge up, and and I and I like that. Even though when I'm in the throes of it, I'm often thinking to myself, "What are I'm, what am I doing?" Like, you know. <laughs> but that's that's the best. That's the spice of life, right there. You know, I don't get enough of that since I stopped skiing. So I really appreciate this uh, this this show for kind of you know getting me out there and and pushing me a little bit. Uh, your show, Johnny Mosley's Wildest Dreams, seems like part adventure show, part travel show. Uh, so it's got to be, you know, fun touring around California and seeing the sights, right? Absolutely. I mean, one trip comes to mind. Uh, uh, we went to this uh, ki- whitewater kayaking school up in the Siskiyou uh, mountain range. So way northern California. I mean, you go up. And you take you go up 101, and you take a right, and you drive inland for three hours, and you're in the most beautiful place on the Forks of Salmon. And just the drive alone, I mean, you know, windows down, the temperatures rising. It's summer. You got the Grateful Dead on. It's just like that part alone is just euphoric. And then we're there in these this cool spot by the river, and and the whole crew. We, we we are like a team and we love we're all kind of you know love these adventures and got to hang out by the river for a few days and learn how to whitewater kayak and then um go with this professional kayaker and watch him do his thing called creek boating and that was deeper into the mountains hmm. and uh just speaking of locations i mean just no more magnificent location uh, in the world, honestly, um, and the, to to be there witnessing some really intense action, but also just be in the moment and uh, in that environment was it's burned in my mind. Like I can't wait to go back. Well, yeah, when I saw that episode of yours, I I'd never been up in that area, and I'd never even seen seen that area anywhere on TV or in books. Uh, the Shasta Cascade, and it really was strikingly beautiful. Exactly. I mean, it's just like this. Your eyes just can't believe the different colors you're seeing and the contrast between a little bit of snow-capped mountains and and the green and then these farms. And it it is really a special part of the world. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, can't wait to get back there again. In fact, after I went up there that time, I went back again that summer to do a little fishing. 
um, last summer. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's such a sweet part of this gig is that we're seeing all these, uh, you know, I'm seeing places, California is so vast, right? I grew up in Marin, one of the most beautiful places in California. And I've been out, uh, and about, but I still have not knocked down so many awesome spots. So this is, uh, this is definitely helping me out there. One of the places you went to for an episode was Catalina. I haven't been there yet. I plan to go hopefully someday soon. Um, but that seems like a really cool beach community. Oh, it was. I had never been there either. And I had only heard about it from my my dad. And you kind of hear all these stories uh, uh, about Catalina, this this place. And you think of it as, oh, it's like where people from L.A. go out to, you know, party, I guess. But what struck me about it was how uh, just raw it was. I mean, you fly in and, and, well, first of all, we had this insane setup, right? So we <laughs> called my buddy Bob Burnquist, who's a professional skateboarder and lives in Encinitas, and, uh, you know, asked him if he wanted to go with us to try this thing called flyboarding. We figured, you know, it's kind of an extreme sport where you stand on these uh, boards that fly up above the water powered by a jet ski. We figured Bob would be good at it. And uh, sure enough, turns out Bob flies helicopters. So we we uh, we show up at his house, and he picks me up in a helicopter, and we fly out to Catalina in this awesome little heli. See whale on the way, and you land on this tarmac, and there's like buffalo running around. It's the weirdest thing you've ever hmm. seen, and or bison or something like that. But just definitely like I was not expecting that. Then you drive this country road. Um, almost feels like you're in New Zealand, like sheer cliffs on the sides, and you're looking down at this gorgeous blue water. And then the town of Catalina was blowing me away. I just was like, how cool is this place? I can't believe I've never been there. And then, of course, like we have all these antics. Bob's, you know, I'm towing Bob through the streets on a skateboard, and it wouldn't be a show without, with Bob Burnkus if we didn't get kicked off uh, the streets <laughs> of, of Catalina for towing him around in a golf cart. All in good fun. But um, And then we got to try this really cool thing that I'd only seen on TV, and uh, – and we're out there like messing around on these awesome flyboards. But to your point, Catalina, what a spot. I can't believe that's part of the California vernacular. How cool is that? Thanks so much for joining us on the California Now podcast, Johnny. Oh, thanks for having me, Satirius. I'd love to get you out there on one of these uh, wildest dreams one day. All right. Maybe we'll make it happen. I don't know if I've got the, the, the stuff, the right stuff, but we'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Not required. <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> Johnny Mosley is an Olympic gold medal skier and the star of Johnny Mosley's Wildest Dreams, a really fun video series that you definitely need to check out. It's available on YouTube, and you can find links to it and to all of the locations we discussed today at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. You're listening to the California Now podcast. I'm Satirius Johnson. Michelle Lawrence Adams graduated from Huntington Beach High School, earned a Bachelor of Science degree at Cal State Fullerton, and is the executive director of Mission San Juan Capistrano. In other words, she really knows her way around Orange County. In today's lightning round, we're going to ask her to name some of her favorite places to go and things to do in her own backyard. Welcome to the California Now podcast, Michelle. 
Thanks for having me. I'm a daughter of Orange County, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, you know, the, the OC is not big in terms of physical size, but it is the sixth most populous county in the United States, and there's a ton of attractions and activities everywhere you look. So we're going to lean on you, to, on your local expertise, to help us plan our next visit, okay? You got it. I'm here to help. All right. So let the lightning round commence. Let's start with the family. You have three kids. What's your favorite kid-friendly activity in Orange County? The Discovery Cube in Santa is my favorite because it's a hands-on learning environment that uses science and entertainment and makes children engage in exciting and modern ways and learning and exploring the environment around them without really realizing that they're learning. So it's a great time for all people that have children. (laughs) That sounds great. Um, Now let's say you have a sitter for the evening, uh, no kids. Where, where, Where would you and your husband be going for date night? First date night would probably be outside of San Capistrano, Laguna Beach. We'd love to go to the Pageant of Masters or walk along the boardwalk and and see the ocean. And it's just a hop, skip and a jump away from our hometown. Do you have a a favorite beach in the area? Well, my favorite beach is Seal Beach downtown, uh, anchored by a pier built in the 1920s, rebuilt in the 1980s, and Walt's Wharf Restaurant there for fish and their grilled artichoke. Seal Beach is the Mayberry of Orange County. Oh, is it? And if it's not Seal Beach, it's downtown San Capistrano for the pedestrian outdoor environment, walking and enjoying not being in a car for once. You know, Orange County is known as a, a serious shopping mecca. Where do you go for a little retail therapy? Oh, there's a couple great choices. If I want big-time retail therapy, I'm going to go to South Coast Plaza without a doubt and put on my walking shoes. If I want an outdoor retail therapy, most likely I'm going to head over to um, Fashion Island so that I can be outside. And if I can do a little retail therapy and eating therapy, I might hit the packing house in Anaheim. Yeah. Do you have any favorite stores in particular when you're, when you're going out shopping? There's a great store in downtown San Clemente, which is also very much like Seal Beach. Uh, Tuvalo is a really cute home decor. But there's many wonderful little shops that are, you know, unique, one of a kind, like the Wine, Cheese, and Cellar in downtown San Clemente. Or in San Juan Capistrano, there's a great wild horse store that has amazing attire for women that are looking for equestrian-inspired clothing. Sounds like you have a little experience in the area. Well, I do live in San Juan Capistrano. We have a rodeo <laughs> and horses around us. So I've got to get, get it in gear on occasion. <laughs> uh, since you're a California native, I assume that you're also a taco aficionado. Where do you go for tacos? Well, for me, the best tacos in town are downtown San Juan Capistrano at the El Adobe Restaurant, which was Richard Nixon's favorite restaurant after he left the presidency and lived in San Clemente. So that place is anchored in history, and they have wonderful tacos on Taco Tuesday night. Uh, And what about margaritas? Oh, the margaritas are very good, too, but there are many margarita choices in, in Orange County. In Fashion Island, uh, Muldoon's has great margaritas, believe it or not, and it's an Irish place, um, but they make great margaritas. And in San Juan Capistrano, Cedar Creek Inn, just across the street in the shadow of the Mission, has great margaritas. In Seal Beach area or northern area, you can go down to, um, it's called the Crab Pot, and it's in the marina just on the anchor or the, at the edge of Long Beach and Seal Beach. Okay, now let's wrap it up in uh, San Juan Capistrano. Tell us about a hidden gem in your town, Michelle, something you to see or do that we've probably never heard of. 
Well, something you've never heard of are the great trails in San Juan Capistrano. There's miles and miles of trails that lead you to ocean views and open space views, which is pristine and and a development, you know, uh, in the world around us today. So the trails are a hidden gem, and they really lead you throughout the whole community. The other part that's a hidden gem is really exploring the historic downtown, which to its west has Los Rios Historic District that's in the National Register. There's only a few neighborhoods that are anchored in Orange County with a National Register status. I'd also say another hidden gem uh, that people don't often think about is in the Balboa Island, the fun zone, and taking a ride on that Ferris wheel. Uh, Lido Island, Balboa Island is great pedestrian fun. You can rent a boat and you can get an old amusement park ride. And it's very affordable and attractive and a lot of shopping and dining too. Sounds like a lot of fun. Great job, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining us on the California Now podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about my home county. Michelle Lawrence Adams is the executive director of Mission San Juan Capistrano, a historic landmark, chapel, and museum that dates back to the Revolutionary War era and is definitely worth a visit. As always, you'll find links to everything we discussed today at our website, visitcalifornia.com podcast. My next guest is the CEO of a company called Museum Hack. Yes, you heard right, Museum Hack. I first learned about this group in a New York Times article that showcased tour operators who are connecting audiences with art masterpieces in an entirely new way. Tasia Dusky is here to tell us about its renegade tours of the Getty Center in Los Angeles and the De Young Museum in San Francisco. Thanks so much for joining us, Tasia. My pleasure. So excited to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I mean, I think we need to start with, you know, the basics. Can you give us the, the elevator pitch for Museum Hack? What is it? Why is it? And when did it all begin? Absolutely. We got started five years ago, and we are on a mission to reimagine the museum experience for people who think they don't like museums. From what I gather, playfulness is, uh, and a sense of humor are really at the heart of what you offer? Definitely playfulness. So the heart of it is in the spirit of our tour guides. So we hire people that are super passionate about the museums and want to spread that love with others. So, uh, who's the target audience here? Yeah, our target audience is that millennial mindset. So mainly people who think that they don't like museums and want a fresh perspective about the amazing stories that are in the art galleries. I kind of feel like... Uh... A lot of people are intimidated by museums, so, you know, not only millennials. Yeah, absolutely. So I myself grew up as someone that never visited museums outside of, say, a school field trip or if my grandparents were visiting and we felt it was a necessity to go and check out a museum. So Museum Hack has completely changed that around to bringing people in that are excited about things outside of what you'd imagine typical museum stuff. Well, I think it's a, it's a really brilliant idea. I have to admit, when I go to museums, uh, I do read the plaques, and you know, if I'm lucky, I'll have done maybe some research ahead of time, but usually not too much. Um, but it's, it's rarely for me like a social experience, and I don't think I've ever felt like I'm on a grown-up play date when I go to museums. Yeah, so we try to keep groups small. So we want to be about 8 to 10, and we want it to feel like you're hanging out with a guy that's your best friend. They knew some amazing stuff in the museum, and it's like you're just chilling with your friends at a bar, hearing the great stories. Okay, so now you operate these hacks in two Great California museums, right? In San Francisco, we have the De Young Museum, and then in L.A., we have the Getty. All right, so let's start in L.A. How does the museum hack experience unfold at the Getty Center? 
Absolutely. All right. So you find your museum hack tour guide standing underneath the amazing staircase at the center of the Getty holding a museum hack sign. So everyone comes in. We try to keep group sizes from 8 to 10. So it's a small, intimate group running around on this museum adventure. We give everyone a name tag at the very beginning because we want it to feel like you're there with your friends. And if you're hanging out with your friends, you know all their names. (laughs) So we start out by our tour guides explaining who they are, what their background is, and why they are so passionate about sharing this tour of the Getty with other guests. Uh, We start all tours and every museum hack experience the same by putting your hands in the center like a sports team and you go down on Mew up on Zium, like museum. (laughs) And then after you do that launch, we rush off into the museum at a fast pace. We found keeping it speedy keeps people engaged and interested. And then it goes into the tour stops. So you'll hit one of our favorite tour stops at the very beginning of the tours. So Monisha, for example, she's one of my tour guides in L.A. She brings you to a whole case that is dedicated to drinking games. (laughs) So one specific piece is from the 17th century. It's called Joke Glass. And it's exactly what you think it would sound like. A trick glass that you give your friends and you challenge them to drink from it without spilling. And if they spill from it, of course, they just have to drink again. So very similar (laughs) to like drinking games we have nowadays, which is one of my favorite things about Museum Hack Tours. We really bring out that people have been people as long as people have been people. And the fact that that... that piece is in the museum could be something that a lot of visitors don't even experience because they there's so much there to for people to kind of try to curate themselves yeah i'm nodding my head here that is perfect we say we like to hack content as well as space so with content we'll find the hidden stories like you might walk past this vase or this case excuse me this case and you might not know that these are drinking games you'll see it as a beautiful glass and you might walk past it so not only do we hack the stories behind it but we'll take you to the hidden secret little areas within the galleries of things you might otherwise just pass on by and not look into further what else might we see on a museum hack tour of the getty Yeah, so in addition to our content for our tour stops, we play a number of games. So one we like to play is our Down to Party Challenge. So this is a tour-length game. We start at the very beginning, and you find throughout the length of your tour either some person in the museum, as in a painting, uh, that you would love to party with, or (laughs) a space that you would love to party. So the Getty Museum specifically is outstanding. They have an amazing outside garden, so you can pick a location if you're going to throw an amazing bash, where would it be? And then at the very end of the tour, we have an opportunity for each tour guest to share out which item they picked for the Down to Party Challenge, and we give a real live prize to the person that our tour guide thinks picked the best thing. What is it about those games that make the experience uh, so memorable or so engaging? Yeah, it allows our guests to look at the objects in a different light, one that seems relevant to them. So I might pass a number of different large areas or say even in the Getty, there's a number of bedroom sets. And I might walk past it thinking, okay, this is a great bedroom set. It gives me an idea of what people live like in the time. Playing games allows us to imagine ourselves there and be part of the art in a whole different way. How does, how do, how does the museum hack uh, tour deal with, with some of the masterpieces that are at these museums? Yeah, wonderful question. So we'd like to break it down and take a really personal approach to it. So one thing we like to do on some of the big masterpieces or standards, we bring guests to it and we pause for a moment and we use a thumb scale. So thumbs up or thumbs down. If you saw this at either a yard sale or say at Pier 1 Imports, would you buy it? Thumbs up or thumbs down? And if so, how much would you pay for it? 
So it just really brings it to life. We've been told that we should feel so much value for these amazing masterpieces and artworks, and they are astonishing and amazing in their own end. But we want to make sure that the museum hack side of it is it's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if you have your own opinions about it. And if you want to pass on it at the yard sale, that's totally fine too. <laughs> okay, well, let's move over to San Francisco now and the de Young. I see you offer something called the Unhighlights Tour. What can you tell us about that? Heck yeah. All right, our Unhighlights Tour, we pick the wildest, most fascinating stories in the de Young that you might otherwise just pass on by. So not only the highlights that museum goers know to check out for, but we're going to take you to the small ends of the gallery corners that you might not go to and show you some of the best stories there. So what are some of the unhighlights that people are going to see at the de Young? Yeah, there are a number. So one of my favorites is looking outside, let's say just the building itself. So the building outside is made out of copper, and you'll see some oxidization happening with it. So the outside of the de Young building actually made out of the same material that the Statue of Liberty was made out of. And Statue of Liberty, we kind of think about it being green now. That's what's going to happen to the de Young building. Hmm. So we highlight some of the amazing things about the building itself, as well as the pieces of artwork. It's kind of going to blend in with like the greenery or in the park, right? Yeah, absolutely. What else can you tell us about uh, what people will see on the Unhighlights tour? So there's a big section on Impressionist. So we tell you the history about Impressionist artists, as well as we have you stand in a pose right in front of some of the main paintings to get a feel of what it would have been like for these artists, as well as the models standing there for hours and hours on end for the portraits to be painted. It really sounds like you guys humanize, you know, the the artists and the subjects of the art and uh, kind of bring to life what, you know, what was happening at the time when these things were being created. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to break it down for what pulls at your heartstrings, what makes you excited about something, and what are the hidden stories that our guides find fascinating that they cannot wait to share with you. I've got to say, it's, a, it's such a great idea for a business. I, I kind of wish I thought of it. Yeah, I'm very grateful to be a part of it. It's an incredible concept, and it's really changed my life and my perspective about museums. As I said, my background was not a museum person, and this has made me fall in love with so many great institutions. I need to know, how do the museums feel about all of this? I mean, I don't, I mean, don't most museums offer their own tours? How do they feel about your operation in there? Yeah, that's a great question. Most museums do have their own tours, and we're fully supportive of those. So our whole mission is in line with the museums. We primarily want to bring more people into the space, and we're targeting a different audience. So the museum tour is a perfect, amazing tour for people that are looking for that type of historical information, such as the docents provide. We're primarily looking for the people that wouldn't pick out a museum tour themselves and want a fresh look at a different perspective in the museum. That's so great. In order to make this all work, I imagine you you need truly exceptional tour guides. Who are these people and how do you train them? Yeah, our tour guides are really the life of our business. So we find them through a variety of different sources. Some are art historians, some are museum professionals, others stand-up comedians, actors, actresses that just all have a passion for museums and want to share those stories with others. So they have a variety of different backgrounds. Our training process varies from about two to three months because they're ultimately writing their own tour. And then the end of our training program is them to deliver a beta tour. So two hours of content within the museum with the live audience. And once they pass that, then they come and are officially onboarded as Museum Hack Tour Guides. Now, I've heard you've you've actually led Museum Hack Tours yourself. What was that like? I mean, leading your first one. 
Absolutely. I had to get some street cred with my tour guides. <laughs> so we require all of our management team and all of our team in HQ, which is mostly our remote team members, to create a three-object tour. So you have to do the research. You have to develop it in our five elements of a hack. And you also have to add in the social cues and training to be able to manage group dynamics on a tour. So I ran three objects around the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It was one of the most, I would say, exhilarating and in nervous moments in my life to be telling stories in front of our expert tour guides. They were all incredibly supportive, and I'm really proud that I made it through the process. It's a lot more challenging than you would think to keep these stories high energy, entertaining, and also dig through the research to find the juicy things that people want to hear about. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm really glad you survived the experience. Is, is there anything else our listeners should know about the museum hack experience? There's so much magic that happens in museum spaces. And come with us, explore it. We'll tell you some amazing hidden stories. And you'll walk away like you're hanging out with a group of friends. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, Tasia. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Tasia Dusky is the chief executive officer of Museum Hack, a renegade tour operator that brings a healthy dose of fun and irreverence to the museum-going experience. You can sign up for its tours at the Getty Center and the DeYoung Museum at museumhack.com. And you'll find links to everything we discussed today at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please subscribe. In today's lightning round, Michelle Lawrence Adams took us on a whirlwind tour of Orange County. We talked about things to do in Long Beach and Costa Mesa and San Clemente and Seal Beach and Laguna Beach and several other OC destinations. I want to add another stop to that list, Mission San Juan Capistrano, which is run by Michelle. It's a historic landmark, chapel, and museum that dates back to the Revolutionary War era and offers a compelling look at the Golden State's early history. We'll talk more about Mission San Juan Capistrano in a future podcast episode, but for now, you can learn more about all 21 California missions at visitcalifornia.com.